Sprouta is a global ecosystem of the very best experts and solution providers within people, performance, and culture. Companies like CultureAmp, VegaFactor, XOWorks, and many more ready to help you solve your toughest organizational challenges. Every strategic partner is chosen for their deep expertise within their fields and is supercharged by the Sprouta ecosystem. The result? You have a place to go for solutions that are holistic, impactful, and sustainable. No more fragmented transformation or trade-offs. Find solutions that are purpose-fit for your needs. Visit Sprouta.com to learn more. Hello, and welcome to our final episode of Season 2. Over the course of this season, we've spoken with amazing leaders and individuals who are inspired by creating new ways of working and adapting ecosystems to support these changes. People who believe that healthy humans create healthy workplaces and are showing that healthy workplaces deliver success be it closing the biggest deals or building transformational tools at scale, always keeping humans in mind and striving to find win-win scenarios. However, for our last episode, we have a special guest who brings a unique perspective unlike that of our previous guest this season. Today's guest hasn't built organizations, worked her way up the corporate ladder, or landed some of the biggest deals in the country's history. She's led a life of service, one built on the generations that have come before her, and one that will hopefully leave a better world behind for those who come after her. Her name is Yvonne Weldon. Yvonne is the first Aboriginal Australian person to be elected to the City of Sydney Council, and that's in over 180 years, uh, and that was following a run for Lord Mayorship. Now, I didn't know much about Yvonne prior to being introduced for this episode, yet after meeting her, I knew that I had just met one of the most important and special human beings that I would ever come across. She holds powerful perspectives and insights that can only be learned via lived experiences. She's one of those people who, when you get done speaking with, you simply feel like a better, more enlightened human, simply by spending time with her. She's a self-described child of the revolution who grew up under the umbrella of generational racism and a lineage of people who have had to protest and fight, whose struggle ultimately opened a door, allowing her to have a voice for her people, where a voice had never been before. By her very nature, she's a leader, yet doesn't like the word, doesn't crave any sort of power or authority. Rather, she's committed to leveraging the privilege that she's been given to create change and bring more equity to the world. When I think about leadership, I think about people that are leading. And I don't believe I'm leading, I just think I'm doing. It's an uncomfortable question to ask because I don't believe I'm out leading anyone anywhere. I'm just doing what I am with others that happen to be walking with me. I believe that many of you listening to this podcast are either in a position to support those who, like Yvonne, are finally finding the opportunity to have a voice for change, or you're a person who is that voice and can make change while fighting that uphill battle. This podcast is for you. It's a reflection on what's possible what forces can get in the way, and what we can all do to play our part in making our workplaces more equitable and ultimately more human. So with that, I am grateful to be able to kick off our final episode of the season with the one and only Yvonne Weldon. Three, two, one. Yvonne, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here, the Humanity Works podcast. It's so great to have you here. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you. Thank you for including me. Oh, absolutely. I'll kick off by saying this. I'm really excited about our conversation today. 
particularly because we've been doing this as our second season. And most of the people that we are speaking with at some way, shape or form have a, a connection to corporate world in some way. And in getting to know you and getting ready for this, I realized that that's not you. And I'm really excited about that because I think that it's going to bring a unique and fresh perspective and also even challenge me and our audience. You know, that's been the goal of this whole thing is to open this up and to really hear about people that are engaging in the world that are driving change. And I'm just really grateful that you're here with us. So thank you again. And, and like I said, welcome here. Thank you. I, I mean, I'm not sure whether I'm equipped to be here. I mean, I think it's just all about that sharing. It doesn't matter where we're from or what we're doing. We, we've all got something to share and, and, um, to share is an important part of who we all should be. Absolutely. And I judge you're equipped to be here and I'm looking forward to this. So. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Why don't we kick off? Tell us about Yvonne, a, b- a bit about your story, your journey, you know, as, as, as a child, who were you kind of catching us up and giving us a little bit of a backstory about who you are in the world. Maybe some of the, some of those big moments along the way that you think influenced you most. I'm just a, a Aboriginal woman that's grown up in and around Sydney my entire life, my people, uh, Radri people are here, First Nations, one of the many Aboriginal nations in this country. And I need to pay respects to all the elders past and present, to all First Nations of the many nations that we've either lived on, are on or have travelled on. And I'm speaking to you from Gadigal country uh, of the Aura Nation here in Sydney, but my homelands, my people are in the central west of New South Wales here in Australia. The Radri people, my people, were my mum's side is from the rivers of the, the Clare, uh, which later became known as after a man called Lachlan. Um, and uh, my dad's people is the Murrumbidgee River people. So I have a, a Radri on both sides of my family and um, we're a matriarchal society and, and my children, they're Radri despite the fact that their father is not. Uh, he is a bigical man um, here of La Perouse in Sydney and that's who I really am. And as I, you know, have moved and aged in this world, um, I represent so many of the ancestors and the trailblazers before me. Growing up here in Sydney and being educated, but my spiritual connection will always be back home uh, in Cara first and foremost, but certainly anywhere in Wiradjuri country is where I reconnect with spirit and, and I try and do that as much as I possibly can because for me, Sydney is is surviving. Uh, it's not always living. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And it's, it's nice to, to hear that background and connection. What kind of child was Yvonne? <laughs> a shocker um I'm a, <laughs> you know and that's why my children give me mine now I was you know I was the eldest of all the grandkids so I sort of had a lot of responsibility for my entire life and it's been something I've been very privileged to have because it meant that I was fortunate enough to have family members that I no longer have and and some that my children have never met or even some of my siblings had never got to know. Um, I've been very fortunate to be connected to a lot of elders that have passed on um, and they have really shaped who I am today and being around that my entire life and watching uh, the staunch stand up and take it to uh, the Australian government on all levels about what the rights should have been for my people in this country uh, in ways that we shouldn't have had to have those discussions. But mm-hmm. they set the you know set the scene for everyone in this country and they certainly did that for me. 
um, protested alongside my parents and my aunts and uncles and my grandparents and so many and my grandparents um, have paved the way for me in so many different ways but Really, you know, when I think back at those times and what they did, you know, I would, my people wouldn't have half the things that we do and we don't even have enough today that we wouldn't have half the things we do um, if it wasn't for trailblazers like my family. I'm a child of the revolution here in, in Sydney, you know, and, and what took place in, in terms of the Aboriginal organisations that were created here in the late 60s and early 70s was done by my family. Um, you know, there's been a lot of change that's happened and, uh, gentrifications that's taken place but when you get back you peel back to the core values and to the core movement there are people that gave endlessly because they needed to make the difference not just for for the present day but for future generations and and me being a part of that future and that those additional generations to come um, after them but certainly with my own children and my grandson is that you know they paved the way for all of us and took the knocks that no one would ever take today and so it's it's so important to recognize them and and I do each and every day um, of my life but in everything that I do I need to honor them because I need to continue to allow their voices to make sure their voices have been heard because they have been heard through me. Fast forward to what you're doing today because mm. you've you've continued that it sounds like you know you've continued to be that trailblazer in the spirit of your ancestors and you've you've done some unique things oh well, i'm doing lots of things i'm a crazy woman on any given day let me tell you but you know i sit on a number of boards and i think what i've done is that i have uh, taken the challenges in many different ways and, and a different approach um, i'm not saying i don't still protest and and not walking the streets but I'm also sitting at tables that um, I'm not necessarily invited, but certainly have earned the right to be there. I am currently uh, an elected councillor, the first one uh, elected in the 180 year history of the City of Sydney. Um, I was the first candidate nominated uh, for the Lord Mayor here in the City of Sydney. And I must say, although that it's a milestone and it's an honour, it's so long overdue. Um, it should have been done long before now. Yeah. And let me ask, this is a, a curiosity I had. The first Aboriginal person or the first Aboriginal woman? Person. 180 years. Yes. Wow. And we actually think, although we're trying to get the historians to confirm it, but we, I'm, I'm an independent, so I'm not affiliated with any major political party, And um, but we seem to think that I'm the only Aboriginal person to ever stand in a capital city in the whole country. Yeah. Shocking. Mm -hmm. Wow. And again, just to, to, for context, for anybody who might be listening, this is this is Sydney. Uh, you ran for it was it's Lord Mayor mm -hmm. of Sydney, which yes. is yeah. And 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 in the end, and we'll we'll talk more about that. Did not get elected Lord Mayor, but ended up in a council position. And how many council seats are there? Are there in Sydney? Ten. Yeah, there's about ten in in totality with the Lord Mayor. So they have two voting processes. So you get two pieces of paper. One is for the Lord Mayor, and the other one is to elect um, your preferred people to be on council. So I was one of those. So I was told by a couple of seasonal politicians that are actually elected right now that said to me, don't worry about um, being elected because you won't be there. Um, they told me to just take it all in and learn because there's no chance that I'll ever be elected. Don't know if they were trying to talk me out of it, but it's a bit awkward for them now that I'm sitting beside them. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I just a wonderful story and uh, inspirational. You know, this is a question that I was thinking about, it, even, and I'm learning so much in this conversation as well, but 
If you had to think about your, your Aboriginal upbringing, mm-hmm. what were some of the challenges from that and what were some of the gifts of that? I'll start with the gifts in terms of my people and the misunderstandings of what you know has taken place, not just in this country but across the world or what people think about this country. There are so many issues that people aren't aware and until we have those conversations they don't become aware unless they look further into it. But, you know, like my mum who turned 72 days ago, you know, she was born in a segregated part of the Cowra Hospital in 1952. That's in this country. This is the reality of what my legacy is. And my mum used to get hid in a chimney um, when they would come around to the missions and the reserves to take anyone that was fairer looking so that they could adjust to white man's world rather than the Aboriginal world. I mean, this happened to my great-grandfather, but my mum particularly used to have to hide because she, we call it throwback, uh, she was a fairer version in, a, in the family. And so when I think about um, my parents and, and the hardships that they faced in being here and given me life but also given me the opportunities here in Sydney, um, the opportunities weren't always easy. My parents couldn't uh, get a real estate agent to show them property to buy a house because the real estate agents would not show it to an Aboriginal couple. They just wouldn't. So my mum, who was fairer and she was the first company secretary of the first Aboriginal legal service in in the country, she would go along to the real estate agent with the solicitors to get a real estate agent to show them properties and that's how they were able to look at houses, my mum and dad. When my mum and dad actually purchased their home uh, in Dulwich Hill in 1974, I think it was, there was actually a, a um, petition that went around to block these blacks from moving into the street. It was pretty astounding to think that this has been my journey and yet I've been so accepting of so many others. These First Nations across this continent are the world's oldest living culture and yet we can't even be accepted in, in, um, in my lifetime I certainly hope that we can do so more um, so in my, my grandson's lifetime that it's more acceptance and rather than dealing with, with the negative, start to deal with the positives. Um, that's my strength, that's my resilience because that's what they have continued to endure and continue to be accepting and inclusive of all others around us. Um, it's just the others around us are not always the same to, to my people. I would say that that is um, a strength, and but when I think about some of the adversity, you know, I have felt firsthand racism in this country and people have really uncomfortable feelings about talking about this stuff and I'm not sure why because it's about we're the ones that are actually subjected to the racism and rather than the ones that are subjecting us to it. I recall when I was uh, about seven years of age and I was at Redfern Public School uh, it doesn't exist anymore. The buildings are still there, but the actual school no longer exists. But I had a, a really good um, friend we used to meet every day on, on the stairs. She was in the lower playground. I was in the upper playground and we'd meet on the stairs and, and we'd, we'd play every day at lunchtime. We'd go and sit down have our lunch together and then we'd go off and play hopscotch and skipping and elastics and everything else. And and I got invited to her birthday party and I was so thrilled to you know go to a party and and um I mean everyone I think loves to be invited to somewhere and um 
And so I got to go to her party and, and brought her, a, you know, I thought it was a fandangle present. It was pretty deadly. It was the thing of the day and it was a raggedy end doll. And I didn't actually realise, you know, that it probably matched her description as well. At the time, I just sort of, I didn't see any of that. It was a present I always wanted and, and so I got one for her. The days following after her party and when we were back at school, I went on the stairs and waited for her for, you know, the first day and then the second day and she still wasn't there and I thought, oh, she must be, you know, she might have been unwell. So I went down to her, to the lower playground and tried to see her classmates to see, was she, you know, was she at school or was she sick or something? And, and she was down there and she said to me, you know, um, my mum and dad said I can't play with you anymore. And it wasn't until then that I realised that I was different. And I said to my mum, like, you know, why? Why can't she be my friend anymore? And my mum said to me, it's it's not about you, it's about them. And um, and that's the choice that they're going to make about what they want for their daughter. And But we, you know, as our daughter, we'll accept everybody. And um, and that's probably one of the first lessons of, of life here in Sydney, in, in this country, that it hasn't really changed that much. There is still this stuff that goes on and, and I just think it just comes back to how we treat each other as, as just other human beings. It shouldn't be about um, class. It shouldn't be about colour or culture. It should just – or religion or anything else. It should be how we should treat each other as a human being. Yeah. Wow. It's such a powerful story and unfortunate story and a, a real story. And And to hear that story, to hear the story of your mother – and at least in knowing what I know about your story, to be now the first Aboriginal person to be elected to the council in Sydney, mm. and your mother's alive to see that. Mm. What, was, what was her reaction? I mean, oh uh, look, I think both mum and dad are pretty, were pretty freaked out. My dad was like really very worried, you must say, because he just knew how ugly it can get, you know, and particularly for for my people on the way media can sensationalise. The most smallest thing, like you know, um, you can have an interview that can just turn ugly because people have the power of that. My dad was very apprehensive about it. I must say, my mum was very emotional about it because it's not something that they would have ever believed to be seen in their lifetime, and and so um, we're very nervous about what all that meant for me. And I think there was, I mean, they were very very proud of me, but I, you know, I do think that there was also an element of, of um, fear because politics can be dirty and I was still in very much denial. I still don't believe I'm in politics at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually here just to make a difference and it's no different to what I've done at a local level with my own people or, or local organisations that I'm involved with, you know, such as um, Domestic Violence New South Wales or Jarjams College or the New South Wales Australia Day Council. Like I, I contribute because... I'm no different to anyone else, but I have unique opportunities and, and insights that people don't necessarily understand unless they sit down and have the conversation. And I think it's it is overdue and it's necessary as well because if we're going to um, you know bridge the divide, then you actually need to make sure that you're no longer dividing. Mm-hmm. If if you were sitting, this it's, it's so interesting and talking about like kind of what that, that calling. If you are sitting with somebody that's open but ignorant, right? Somebody that's not doesn't see themselves as part of the problem, but is, you have that moment of, of open mindedness. What is it? Is there a message or something you 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 want to share with that person to get through to help be the change? How do you approach somebody if you feel like you know this is somebody that 
probably doesn't know a better way and I have an opportunity to share something with that person, what would you share? Well, I mean, if I've got someone that I I need to work with or they need to work with me mm-hmm. and and we need to share, um, but you know that they're shut down immediately because they've already got their bias or they already have their views because they're already an expert on me without even knowing me. It's really great to have those conversations. I find it as a, I don't find it as a challenge. I actually find it as the best opportunity for me as well as them. And I think that um, they have the chance to broaden their own knowledge um, beyond themselves and I think and I and me too like I may have my own perceptions on people uh, without knowing but but I'm also um, open enough to say well if if I'm going to share with you you also need to share with me Um, some of those conversations have been I don't think they've been difficult. I just think they've been a little bit awkward. The penny may drop for them, you know, and they may see insights that, that they probably hadn't considered before. Um, and I think my approach has always been, well, let's share. And when you sit down and you break bread with someone or you sit down and you have some of the conversations or actually ask them to tell me, or if I have the negative views about their perception on my people and and if they are negative or to me there's a subtlety to their racist behaviours or thoughts and when I flip that back on that person then they sort of stop to think, well, that's offensive to me, but then they start to realise that I've mirrored how they have treated me um, or that they've shared their views with me. So if I share the same views back on themselves and that certainly uh, challenges them more so than it does me. Yeah. And what, what stood out to me there too was breaking bread, sitting with that person, pushing for you know, that conversation to have those moments of the aha, mm-hmm. um, which I think is, is, I think about that too, even here in the States with everything going on of, you know, the further we get from conversations, the further the problem is. And it sounds mm. like that's where you went. Like, oh, I'll have the conversation. I'll I'll sit with that person and I'll have that conversation. Right. It seems like that's that's part of the answer here, even when it's challenging to force ourselves to have these conversations. Yeah, because you you you're always the outside looking in. And and one of the things that when I not just council, but some of the roles I've taken on more recently, and particularly the New South Wales Australia Day Council, I went and spoke. Look, it was fundamentally I had challenges um, to be involved with it, and you know, I, I I went back to myself in 1988 when I was a teenager, and they had the bicentennial march uh, in this country, and they had the bicentennial celebrations where they reenacted Cook coming out here, and which was insulting to say the least, and yet you, you saw all of the behaviours in this country and it was quite amazing. But then what I saw was was the strength and I had never seen anything like it before in my life. I've marched my entire life. But what I saw in terms of the sea of people that came not just across this city but across this country. And for me, 26th of January is Survival Day. There are other people uh, in this country that call it Invasion Day and a range of other terms but for me it's about the survival I celebrate the survival of our people of my people that we're still Mm -hmm. here and we will continue to make sure that people know that we're still here and so when I was approached to come become involved with the New South Wales Australia Day Council I thought I don't know if I can do this I think this is just goes against my whole grain of who I am and whom the staunch that I come from so I sat down with some of my elders and I said what's your what's your thoughts you know and they said get in the tent 
have the conversations at the tables that we were never allowed. You can stand outside and throw rocks from afar from like we have and, and protest and do all those other things, but then they will never hear the views of what we continue to live. And and that's exactly what I've done. I, I hear them in all that I do. And now when I'm sitting at these tables and I'm having those conversations, I'm actually hearing people that are, are not from from my culture and not from my walks of life, but they are representing the views of my people or actually at least considering the views of my people out of their own mouths and out of their own views because they have actually started to be reflective about that but more seriously have had to, you know, have had had got to know so much more about my people's plight rather than actually sort of pointing the finger about us, you know, having the problem um, and they know they should be a part of the solution. Um, and I think that's the difference these days is that you can do so much more if you are sitting down breaking bread or sitting down at those tables and having the honesty about the conversation. You know, for me, the date will will always remain uh, a date of an invasion. This country was not settled. But why do we want to avoid that issue? Why do we not want to say what it truly is? And I think the way that the New South Wales government has tackled some of those difficult issues um, has been with the maturity and with respect in ways that I haven't seen taken place in the, in the leadership of this country. I just think it's been done by this state first. But what I have seen is that people are now big enough to be humble enough to take on the issues that they haven't taken on before. And and it's not with an animosity or with a view that we've got the chips on, on our shoulders is it that there's more people that are actually starting to think, well, hold on, if I was treated this way, what would I expect? And so that reflection piece for me um, for, for all of us needs to take place because otherwise we don't truly walk with the very people that we say that we do. Yeah, get in the tent. Get in the tent. You know, and, and we spoke about this, that uh, this conversation, a lot of this audience is workplace, organizational, mm. but there's still, there's a transformation that needs to happen there as well. Mm. And I think when you said that, I thought to myself, you know, the call to action to the marginalized voices in our work. This is not just in your case, I think this could be extrapolated out to so many mm. of yes, atrocities have happened and, and there's there's the, everything that comes before, but sometimes there's an opportunity to get in the tent and that's, you know, get in there and like, you know, the, that power of, if you have the privilege or the opportunity to get in there and, and speak, so many of us, like you said, are throwing rocks, but you had the opportunity to get inside and to take that and not, not run from that. And I mm. guess back to that point of the, you know, get in there and force the conversation and mm. be, be the voice in the room if you have the opportunity. Yes, so certainly, you know, since I've been elected to council, it's I'm in, I'm in a tent in a whole different way, a very big yeah. tent and, and a very important one at that. But, I mean, it's been interesting, I must say. I'm a true independent and I ha- I come with my own views and my own experience just like we all do. Um, the difference with me is that I'm not um, tied to party lines. I have uh, a great bunch of people that supported me in my election that started from, from no idea, still probably got a little bit more more of an idea when I had no money and it was a massive journey in terms of from announcement 
to election. It was six months in in the making, which is probably unheard of um, for an independent. Normally you sort of have a a long-term plan and and, uh, long-term people supporting you. Um, I had none of those, but what I did have is is goodwill of so many people um, that just stepped up and contributed, provided support, provided resources in ways that I never would have imagined. And it's actually very heartwarming to see it's restored my faith in, in humankind that there are people that are actually willing to make a difference and and that could be in a range of ways and particularly when I think about when I sit at council in my very first meeting because I was asking questions I mean that's that's what I do you don't you're not you're not going to know if you don't ask and I got muted on my my first meeting so it's a bit of a baptism of fire but you know they 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 can mute me as much as they want but I'm still there and I'm still going to ask the questions when I'm unmuted. Oh, wow. And like, it's such a metaphor, isn't it? There you were and you showed up and they muted you. Yes. Yes. But yeah. I'm still asking the questions. Yes. They're going to ask a question. And, and it's interesting, you know, there's ways, I mean, that was my first meeting. So wait till I get to my last, you know what I mean? So, um, I'm certainly going to learn a lot more about it and learn how people are either treated the same way or they are not. And and if they are not, I'm going to make sure that people do get treated uh, with the same respect and the same dignity as others. And um, that's that's who I, I will always be. I make sure that there is consistency and transparency around that um, and how we treat each other is an important part. So no matter whether it's at council, whether it's in my work at Youth Justice or, or just sitting down having a yarn, and having a conversation with yourself or anyone else is that if if you don't come with respect, then what do you actually come with at all? Yeah. And as you're speaking, it's just something in my in my own journey too, this idea of it's not when or if adversity will come our way, but it's it's how do we show up in the face of adversity? And it's, mm. it sounds like this is something you face regularly, mm. but it is you're talking, that's that's what's coming to mind for me, this idea of you're gonna stay true to you. You're gonna show up your authentic self and the environment around you may shift, change, but but it's you know, that's what just comes up for me. And I think for many is like how even for myself for much of my journey and even to this day, I can see myself in the face of adversity. So I'm shifting or changing. I was like, hold on, wait a second. It, the, the real work here is to continue to show up in my authentic self, right. my truth, and to keep pushing forward even when it's hard or, or challenging. And it's, it sounds like that's kind of almost like your journey here. You're, uh, you know, I'm going to keep showing up. You can mute me to my last day. I'm asking these questions and I'm going to continue that, that the adversity is not going to shift or change you. You're going to continue to push forward, you know, with your calling. Yeah. And, and people will shut you out. There's no doubt it, but I think we can respond in a way to say, well, that may not be acceptable. There, or there is another opportunity here. How do, what are we learning from this? What are we taking away? And then what is our solution to it? And so, and how do we get around it? Or that you actually change things so that that is not going to be the norm. I think that we all, you know, we all have an opportunity to make positive change um, in the lives of everyone. Um, and it shouldn't just be about positive change for those that have the resources and the money um, and the opportunities is about sharing what we have. And, and that's who I've always been. That's who I've always had around me. You know, I've always been taught there's always someone else worse off than you. And so if that is the case then whatever I've got, I've got to be able to share because I can make a difference um, and I should make a difference because so many people have made a difference for me. You know, you mentioned, you know, even before the council, you were, you've been sitting on boards 
then, and, and I'm asking in a minute to tell the story of how it came to be that you ended up even in this election. But when, if you think back, when did you first feel this call towards leadership? You know, it's a funny question. When I think about leadership, I think about people that are leading. And I don't believe I'm leading. I just think that I'm, I'm, I'm doing. Um, so it's a, it's, it's a uncomfortable question to ask because I don't believe I'm out leading anyone anywhere. I'm just doing what I am with others that happen to be walking with me. And so it's, it's been something I've done uh, my entire life. And like I said, I've, I've always been a bit of a rogue, but it, sometimes, um, you know, there has been opportunities that have come my way where you sort of go, well, all right, I'm not going to, am I going to shy away from it or what do I take it on? And and I have just taken things on. Um, and it's not because of confidence or high self-esteem or anything like that. It's just like, all right, well, I'll have a go. And and it's sort of like, it's not that I'm, I don't have any fear. It's just that I think that there is something to learn from it and and something maybe I have something to offer or if I don't have anything to offer then maybe there's a takeaway not just for me but for the others um, that I'm doing it with and so you know the the path of where I've been in my entire life is already been set for me by so many leaders and so many elders and and I pay homage to them and I will continue to follow them yeah and you work with a lot of youth right I do when you go speak to them, now you're in this position. They see they see you in this position and these accomplishments. What do you share with them around this idea of change, leadership, making a difference? I think showing up and, and being present is is a key part. I've had so many people in my lives that have in my life, but they always believed. And I think that you know whether it be young people, or older people, or people that are isolated and vulnerable being present and showing up and making sure that they know that they matter is an important part of who we all need to be. It could be your neighbour, it could be an elderly person that you come across um, in the street or in the shopping centre, is that sometimes people are dealing with issues that you don't even know, you know, because what, what we're all dealing with is all beneath the surface. We don't wear it on a T-shirt, so maybe some people do, or even on a hat, but they're you know, there is so much more to who we are. And until we engage and uh, reach out to those around us, we'll never know. We, we can make the most profound difference in the people's lives um, and not even know that we actually are doing that until we actually do it. And and you may never know even after the fact. And I'm not saying that everyone has to do it, but there may be opportunities for someone to do that for you. And I hope I'm one of them. Um, and I hope that you are one of them for me um, in time should I ever need it. And I think that the leadership and the belief in in others is, is you know, and the time that you give is one of the greatest gifts you can give in life. Um, and particularly, you know, my work in youth justice and when I go in the detention centres and I see young people, uh, the fact that you're there and you're having the discussion and sitting down and having a, a yarn with them or a conversation with them, um, they feel valued and they should feel valued. And I think we need to show up in ways for our fellow humankind. Otherwise, uh, no one will ever no one will ever do it. We all have the opportunity in our workplaces and in our everyday lives. We we can make a difference and, and we have to because otherwise if we leave it up to someone else, it may never get done. Never get done. You know, and and also we can all lead from different perspectives and different yep. places and a young person can lead and an older person can lead. 
that this idea of leadership is, you know, is fluid and we all have moments that we follow moments that we lead. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. When I say allyship or being an ally, what, what do you think of what comes to mind for you around that term? Well, I just think that allyship for me is just supporting others and, and, and them supporting me. I mean, there are people that have, that want to be an ally because they want to believe or they want to show, show up in a way, but maybe not necessarily know all the issues. I think there are people use different terms for different reasons, but there are also people that just don't want the title of being an ally, but they just want to just want to be there and I think that there are times in in life where you can make it more of a presence of you being an ally or you actually just being who you are in and in all forms and in in all those forms of acceptance and inclusion yeah and and I do ask that I feel like it's a theme we're hitting on here and I think it's a a term that gets used a lot and Mm. I'm trying to drive home for people that are thinking about this Mm. maybe they are in a position of of privilege or power and how do we leverage that to be to be allies what does that even mean so, um, you know, I think as I'm hearing you talk. Yeah, it's funny, like the the power part of it and the, and the privilege is that a lot of people actually don't think that they have it and, it, and it's such a challenge. And so, and then, and then when you are an ally, people say, well, I've, I've come from, you know, from privilege so I can do that. Or, and so it, it, it differs on whether people own it or whether people um, disown it or, or actually say, oh, but that's not me. Um, and yet they don't see that they they would never have the life of the very people that they want to then provide leadership to. It comes back to whether you walk with others and actually support the very people in their walks of life. Um, and no matter where you go, no matter where you travel, whether it be on this continent or, or others, there is so many other parts of walks of life that you would never understand. I will never be culturally competent in my own culture until the day I die because it all is a learning process. And the greatest part of that learning is that sharing. And if you don't do it in every day that you walk uh, this earth, then you don't actually uh, share that learning. And more importantly, you're not taking it and giving it to others. Um, And I think we all need to do that in, in every opportunity that we can. And it's also a reminder. It's, you know, these, these big topics are race and, but everybody has walked a path. Everybody, like I think you said it before, you never know where somebody's been and that we, mm. you know, there's so much pain and hurt that honestly, we we all need each other really to be open to one another. And that's our ultimate salvation is that we support one another. We just want to see each other's struggle, pain and journey and not try to one up or compare this happened to you. This didn't happen to me. And stories like this, are just that a reminder to that, that at a certain level, how do we support one another? We're all humans trying to work through this. Yeah. And I think like some of the difficulties and particularly, you know, if, if people understand a little bit about my people's journey and, and, and the struggles and, and it's not something of the past, it's still present day. And I think that there is so much more. And I know some people sort of say, oh, you know, racism, it's just so overused. And actually it's not because people get uncomfortable about talking about it, but it's, it, it shouldn't be uncomfortable for the very people that are not subjected to it. And it shouldn't be comfortable for someone like myself or my children um, or my family members to accept it because uh, it's not acceptable. And yet we don't want to address some of these difficult issues, but if we don't address them, we never overcome them. And, you know, one of the key parts in, in everything that I do is that are we making 
life easier for each other or are we making it harder? And, th- and that also includes for our planet, for all our surrounds, our workplaces, you know, are we making the positive difference that we say that we get up every day to do? And I'm not saying that people actually want to earn lots of money um, or have wonderful, you know, materialistic things. I'm, I'm not I'm not making a judgment on any of those things. What I'm saying is, is that how is it going to serve you? Is it serving you well? Because if it's not serving you well, is it going to serve your children and your future generations well? Because we we all owe it to each other and to make sure that we are inclusive and we are accepting so many others. And, and if we're not doing that, then how is that going to be for you into the future? And that's the stuff that I always think about my grandson, who's now three years of age. What life will he have when he's a young adult? Will he be making that difference or what, have I left him something that is no longer going to be positive for him, that he's going to have to carry the burden of what I failed to do uh, when he was a child? This season, we're talking to changemakers and fire starters with the drive to do impactful and courageous work. Want to know if you're a fire starter too? Sprout has created an interactive quiz to help you discover where you are on your journey to drive big, impactful change. Explore Sprouta's activation pack full of free tools and resources. Head to sprouta.com forward slash activate. Let's switch gears a little bit. I want to hear the story of how the bid for Lord Mayorship came to be. How did that come to be? Uh, I think because it's a unique story behind this, yeah? Yeah, well, <laughs> was. I was considering running in a ticket and I, I had conversations with a um, a seasonal politician that was going to run and I was putting a team together and I went along to a couple of meetings, you know, had signed up, was going to be a part of her team. And then unfortunately she had, she was putting hand up, it was publicly known that she was going to be running as the Lord Mayor candidate and I was going to be a part of her her ticket, and then um, not long after um, the announcement, and we were about to do a sort of like a campaign launch, and it was all you know guns are blazing, and and we're all you know going to be out there. She had to withdraw, and I said to a couple of team members, you know, we need to um, we should stick together, and we should find somebody. Um, to to run we should we should have a ticket and we should find someone and then I had at the time I had three phones now I now have five which is quite crazy and all three phones were calling at the same time and I thought oh this is a bit weird and and there were people saying you should run and and I said I don't I've got no idea I I wouldn't know what to do to run and and uh, I said no no we'll just find somebody else we'll we'll still go ahead and we'll find someone else and then um yeah, I, I slowly but surely got pushed out the front and, and that became that became me. I love that story because <laughs> I think so many times we I project onto people that have done things, oh, they set out for this or that was the objective. And it's a reminder that sometimes it comes calling for us. Yes, without a doubt. And I think I've been very reluctant in a lot of things that um and you know, I definitely think highly of surrendering let the universe lead you in ways um that's intended and and I think um for me like I, when I spoke to my dad and I spoke to my mum about you know sustaining my mum was really overwhelmed and was very teary and my dad was really you know sort of fearful because it was politics and 
And then when I spoke to my kids and, and they said, mum, you have to do this, you know, you, you can make a difference. And so all of those views taken into consideration is one layer of it, I think, but, you know, soulfully and, and universally, you need to just sort of surrender and see where it takes you and where it leads you. And I've been very honourable to that and certainly very honourable to uh, many of the my ancestors that have gone on without me to come through me in you know one way or another and whether that be with faith um, or belief but I'm still here and I'm still representing them and so many others that voted for me and even the ones that didn't so I'm representing them too yeah okay so you go through this I can only imagine the work the energy the time and then not winning the bid or what was that what was that experience like it doesn't have to be about, I mean, I got elected to council, so I'm there. I may not have the, the top position, but I'm certainly there. But I think that, you know, it, it isn't, I've, I've experienced so many, so much rejection for positions that I've applied for. I have been overlooked for things and I always stop and think, you know, and even with the Lord Mayor candidacy and uh, the whole duration of the campaign, I learned so much about the process but I'll learn even more about me and when I think about all the rejections that I've had in my life and opportunities that have not come my way and it's not always about me and I think that's what people need to really take stock is about themselves is not always based on uh, what's external it's really about what internally you take and and what you internally have to give I think about my book um, that I read a number of years ago and it's it will be out on the 5th of July with Penguin mm. and you know it was rejected a number of times and people were saying oh we should self-publish we should do this and they go no 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 I'm I I have confidence that it'll arrive when it needs to and and that's exactly what's happening so I think that having uh, faith in yourself and even those around you that have faith having faith in them and them in you can be a greater strength regardless of the outcomes it doesn't always need to be what you think it uh, needs to be it should be where it is how it is and you used a word that i've i have used and it's it's interesting i had my own journey experience with this word and how the world hears it sometimes but i want to go back to that and that was you you talked about surrender yes and I think it's a beautiful word. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people hear that and they hear quit or um, what does surrender mean to you? Uh, look, for me, surrender is actually about, you know, it's, it isn't about quitting. What it is for me, it's about tapping into what is always there and it's not about you dictating the terms and I think you know dictating control and all of these words have so many negative connotations to it but I also think it's just negative in here and for me the surrender is a lot more peaceful that it's not about you um, being in control but it's actually being led in a way in a path that uh, is not necessarily determined by you but it's probably determined for you. When I try and fight certain things and go, oh, you know, this is just not right. Why is this not happening? I think that, that you know, is the immediate call to my spirit almost to say, you know, why are you fighting this? Just let it be and then see where it lands. And, and I think the more that you do that, you'll learn more about yourself, but also you can get so many um, insights into parts of that journey that you wouldn't have listened to ordinarily if you had got it so easily. Yeah. It's not about you. 
Nice. That was, and I think you said, and I think uh, another, like so many years uh, for me and to, even to this day, the art, but I'm getting better when I, when I'm getting frustrated or mad or that thing, it's just like, it's not about like, they didn't do that to you. They're getting up doing their own thing, living yep. their own, but the story, the ego, right? It's, you know, they're doing this mm-hmm. to me. It's about me. It also reminded me of how, where we started with your story and what your mom said. It's not about you, Yvonne. It's mm-hmm. about her. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's right. Maybe in the also in the face of racism and discrimination, and it doesn't it doesn't defend it doesn't make it okay, but just that internal. It was like your mom was there to say, "Don't you internalize? It's not yeah. you. This isn't you. This yeah. is this is the 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 ill of, of something else, and that you stay strong in the face of this." Yeah, without a doubt. And I think you know we all we all can be kinder to each other, and and that kindness needs to extend to yourself. Yeah, don't listen to you know that you have to. You know, have the ego, and 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 you have to be uh, ruthless, and um, you can make change in your workplace. I've never worked in corporate, but I, I I do things with the corporate world at times, and and you get back to the basics, and and the basics is who who we be, you know, um, as individuals, and how do we connect from one person to the other, and and if we do it with malice, or if we do it with anger, and we do it full of ego, then then um eventually that's going to be a very lonely yeah. place and I, and I don't want to be there. The corporate world could use you. We need more <laughs> Yvonne in the corporate world, but uh, gosh, but I, wherever you are, I know that you, you're, you're doing your work. Um, did I read correctly? 2022 New South Wales Aboriginal Woman of the Year? Yes. Yes. What, right. what was that like? <laughs> what's, it, what's it like to win an award like that? Uh, it's pretty cool. It's very embarrassing, I must say. I was really quite shocked. I didn't think that I'd, I'd win. You know, again, expecting to not win, and then you know, if you get anything above it, it's it's a bonus. Um, but I, you know, like when I when I won the award, I was shocked, and when it sunk in a little bit later, I was pretty heartbroken. Um, in fact, that I. You know, there's so many um, trailblazers and, you know, women, but also the men in my lives that have, uh, that are no longer here. And, you know, I've lost all of my grandparents, you know, my my mum's mum 22 years ago and my dad's mum 11 years ago. And so when I think about them and and that they should have been recognised for what they've done and Whenever I walk in my my home and I look at that award, I leave it there, and I've got the little pamphlet sitting in inside the the vase that's engraved. And there are so many of the people in my lives that are no longer present, and some of them are, that are, that I'm fortunate to still have their names are not engraved on that award, but they are um, in every aspect of that award. I am here because of them. It's so interesting when you're speaking. It's like the two sides of the same coin. We're talking about the negativity in the world and saying it's not about you and even also the positivity that award and you look at it and you go it's an honor but it's not just about me mm, yeah you know it, that that ego game or it, it works on both sides quite frankly right i think that that's that's the real art is it not to let the ego get ahead of us with the embellishment and the positives and the the accolades but also on the flip side not to let it you know it also the negativity to stay centered and balanced and remember none of this we're just vessels of, and there's those that came before and those that will come after us. Well, that's right. And all of us, no matter what we've achieved, 
the highs and the lows, we, we're all the same. When you strip it all down, we're all the same. Some of us, uh, you know, eat and drink better than others, and and but does that make you a better person? I, I say no. Like I don't think, you know, I know there's been, you know, there's celebrities and there's wealthy people and there is people that have all of these other things, but if if you peel it all back, we're we're human beings and. Um, and I think the the greatest aspect of who we are is our giving um, yeah. and who we are if we're caring for others. And you can care for yourself as well, but if you do it at the expense of others, and I think it negates it out, but no one's more important than the other. I don't care who you are. Um, I've done many of things with – I've met a number of people. I did a um, welcome for Obama, you know, when he came out here and, oh, wow. you know, I did one in front of 8,000 people for uh, Hillary Clinton when she came out here and and another one for Malala Youssef. And, I mean, I've had so many unbelievable opportunities and and it, it's, it's a pretty – cool thing to do but I've also done things for you know for a domestic violence service up the road or for a homeless service um, and speaking with people that have had the most difficult of circumstances and you know sleeping rough and and they are equally as important as anyone else and and so they shouldn't be valued less because of what people value is of one one end of town and not the other. You know all of my work has been via the workplace, but it's, to me, it's just another place to try to impact change in the world. And in that journey, I, I spent some time working with a company that provided uh, recognition and rewards tools for organizations. And in that journey, something I had this, aha, uh-huh. and I, to this day, I can bounce it against almost everything in, in my world. And we're trying to change workplaces. And it's just this fundamental belief that human beings fundamentally just want to be seen and heard. Everything else, even the money, the wealth, the fame, it's all attempts or reflections or that we project onto others of, I wish I could be seen and heard that much. I could be, the money is means I'm seen or whatever it might be. But like, I think it's such a simple but profound piece that just, and I, I think about it all the time and it still just weighs true even in our conversation behind what we're saying today is like, we just want to be seen and heard. Everyone should be seen and heard. It doesn't matter. I mean, I, I'm not more important than the next person. It's just a matter of are we prepared to have the conversation with every other person as well. And I think we all have communities um, around us. You know, it could be our local community. It could be our um, our neighbours. It could be, you know, our street. It could be our local shopping centre or community group. We all have communities of people around us and are we – are we contributing and sharing in a positive way? Um, and are we also encouraging others to do the same? Because it, it's those that are not contributing, they probably actually have some of the greatest views and um, insights that we probably would never understand unless mm-hmm. we actually um, enable that to happen or encourage it that, that to, uh, to come forward. Yeah. All right. We've been doing something unique this season and I, it's, 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 an interesting approach, and that is here we are, and I'm asking you questions. We're bringing on all these people that we judge have done really brilliant things that we want to amplify that and share that to the world to inspire others. But also, the, I think it goes to what we're talking about today, that we all are on this journey, no matter who we are, no one's more important than anybody else. So I think this final question really hits on that, which is, what's your question? What are you pondering? What do you think about? 
because we're all working through this, right? Oh, uh, for me, you know, I think one of the greatest challenges I have and and that could be in my work with youth justice or it could just be my work at council now or any of the voluntary stuff that, I, that I'm doing, are we making a difference? Am I truly making a difference? Are the decisions that are being made today, are they going to be a positive or a negative into the future? Are we repeating cycles or are we changing them? And and if we truly are changing them, hand on heart, is it about ego, is it about self or is it about others? And I think that um, I want to leave the world a better place because I need to. We all need to. Um, otherwise, the future is so fragile and that could be about our workplace, it could be about our planet, it could be about the the many worlds that we live in, are we making it that it's going to be something we want to hand on and hand down to our future generations? And will they be saying about us into the future that, you know, my grandmother or my grandfather or my aunt or my uncle um, or our gender neutral people, they have left us uh, with a future that I'm proud of. And that's who I am. Yeah. Did we leave it better than we found it? Yeah. You know, Often I've reflected on the, on the questions of our guests, but I think that that is all that needs to be said about that. And I think it's just a great reflection and question we should all be asking ourselves every day in our journeys. So Yvonne, thank you for the human that you are and your humility and just the person that you are is really inspiring to me. And I hope it inspires others. And I also love that you're like, I'm just like everybody else here, just doing what I'm doing. And this is how the world's showing up around me. I've learned a lot myself. Uh, and I just really appreciate you taking the time to be with us and share so openly and honestly. So thank you. Thanks so much. It's been pretty cool. I don't know if I've, done, if I've made any sense, but we can only have a go. Hi, I'm Leonie. And I'm Marcus. And we're the founders of Sprouter. Sprouter is a global ecosystem of experts and solution providers who can help you solve your most complex challenges in people, performance, and culture. We know change isn't always easy. We want to offer you a 30-minute discovery course so you can share some of your challenges, ideas, and insights. We create a safe and productive thinking space to help you gain clarity, identify priorities, and plan your next steps. So let's start a conversation. Head to sprouter.com.